This is the Open Division Quick Play with your host, Thornrain. Welcome back to the Open Division Quick Play. This is episode 3, the playoffs recap. This week we go over the results of the playoff weekend. We have a few more teams added to the division after the close of signups. And how the tiebreaker system, well, isn't really a tiebreaker system after all. So let's get into the results. On tiebreaker Friday, we see the round of eight at Astra losing to WBC Ice to drop to the loser's bracket. Boys Night Out knocks out Team Fortress down to the loser's bracket. The Savages send Kingdom to the loser's bracket. And 5X beats Panda Gaming for the final spot in the semifinals. WBC Ice loses to Boys Night Out. And the Savages drop their game against 5X to move to the loser's bracket, leaving Boys Night Out and 5X your top two from the tiebreaker round. In the loser's bracket round of four, we have Team Fortress beating Ad Astra to knock them out of the tournament and Kingdom sending Panda Gaming packing. Now this round was just to set the seating for the playoffs that started on Saturday, August 26th. In the quarterfinals we have Prestige Worldwide taking out Kingdom, 5X taking out WBC Ice, Boys Night Out knocking off the Savages, and Bedtime Fugitives beating Team Fortress. In the semis, Prestige Worldwide knocks out 5X, and Boys Night Out beat Bedtime Fugitives to advance to the finals. The third place match goes to 5X, with Prestige Worldwide beating Boys Night Out to be your first Open Division champions. And now the new teams for Season 2. We have a few late entries into Season 2. We see Aztec Gaming from Mexico. This is the first Mexican team that we have in Season 2. Faint, Game of Throws, Pandemic OW, and I hope I get this right, Sinai Village, Sizzle Gaming, ST5, STDX Kablam, Team Europa, The Game House, Toronto's Esports, and Vigil. And we have two teams that have dropped out of Season 2. We no longer see Ares Gaming or Synthetic on the roster of teams bringing the Season 2 total of teams to 57. So after discussing the tiebreaker weekend with a few members of the Open Division, we find out just before the playoff weekend starts that the tiebreaker system that we went over last week is really only in place to separate the top two teams in case of a 7-0 tie, leaving the rest of the teams to battle it out for the final six positions in the finals to determine their seeds on that tiebreaker Friday that we just went over. And now, this week's interview. Yeah, from Prestige Worldwide. And we're here with Yeah from Prestige Worldwide, winners of the inaugural season of the Open Division. How's it going, Yeah? Going well. How are you, Thornrain? Uh, not too bad. It's been a, run, a rough evening. So, uh, to start off, uh, why don't you let the listeners know uh, how old you are? Yeah, um, I'm 25, so pretty pretty old in terms of gamer gears, but uh, yeah, still still... Still trying to grind out this game. Oh, yeah. Um, now, are you focused on gaming? Uh, do you have a day job? Go to school? Um, I don't go to school at the moment. Uh, I had a job. Um, used to work as a business analyst and a consultant prior uh, to that. But I'm curr- currently looking for a new job. Whether that's ideally probably be with an OWL team um, as a, you know, on the business side or org side and whatnot. But currently testing or fielding all opportunities at the moment. So you wouldn't mind going to the uh, the business aspect of the Overwatch League teams? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I'm very interested in the growth of esports as a whole, um, and it's almost approaching that point where I have to make a decision on you know 
whether it's more beneficial for me, you know, it's too late for me. Um, you know, I was a little too late for me and maybe I want to look into, you know, an analyst job as, you know, moving to coach or uh, something along those lines. So that's kind of where my head's at. Um, but in the meantime, I'm still still keeping sharp and still grinding out this game uh, the best of, to my ability. Cool. So what'd you start with as your first FPS? Uh, so my first FPS was a Nova Logic game that I'm not sure too many people have heard about, but it was called Delta Force Task Force Dagger. Um, and it was kind of, yeah, so that, that's a long time ago, in the 90s. But yeah, that was my first FPS ever. It's a milsim type game. Oh, okay. So it's along the line of like Counter-Strikes or uh, uh, American Army? You- more America's Army than Counter Strike, um, in that in that in that vein. Nice. So, right now, what's your current SR, and what was your highest SR? Um, so current SR for this season, I ended at forty nineteen, uh, which is pretty low. But honestly, I didn't even want to play rank this season. I just did it just because I had to to qualify for season two of Open, because um, you have to have a rank above 3.5 to kind of play, to be eligible to play in Open Division 2. But yeah, my highest SR that I peaked at 45.29. Did that get you top 500? I've been top 500 every season except for these past two. The ones where you didn't have to end top 500. Oh, cool. And uh, so what role do you play on the team right now? I am the flex tank. So, which character are you maining for the flex tank spot? Uh, so Diva mostly, um, but with Doomfist in the meta now, I've been playing a lot more Zarya, which is what I used to play back in tank meta. Yeah, that's a pretty nasty combo right there. So, now as far as your role goes with team, I saw on the ESL website that you were tagged as the manager. Um, that's just, it's like, ESL tags are weird, it's just really the manager's just so I can schedule everything. Leader. I think I'm the leader. I think I'm tagged as leader. Um, but yeah, it's we have an actual... A former player is actually our manager now. Uh, so Shu is our manager now. I'm not actually the manager at this moment. Now, getting into the team section, um, how'd you end up hooking up with Prestige Worldwide? Um, so Prestige Worldwide is kind of my baby. Um, but we used to be Team of Snow way back in the day. So Man of Snow decided uh he wanted to start a project team called team of snow and he was you know fielding fielding applications and holding tryouts so that's kind of where i got started with this team from that original roster only red started and i are still here but basically we were team snow for a couple months then we decided to make some roster changes and also rebrand to or change our team name to prestige worldwide and then had uh several iterations of that roster since then but yeah that's that's kind of the story of story of Prestige Worldwide. Oh, nice. So you're one of the founding members. Yep, definitely. Been there since the start. Now, do you guys have a shot caller? And uh, who who is that? Um, we don't have really have a dedicated shot caller. Basically, we try to have everyone call for themselves. Um, so if they have an alt or if they see a play, that's kind of what we base it off of. Uh, we've also been team for like six months, so it's been a really long time. So we have defaults that we on every map pretty much that we go that we go to um and then we usually just that's the game plan defaults are defaults and then we audible off those so your job our jobs our communal jobs is to uh, alternate engage calls um based on the 
all tracking. So sometimes, you know, I'll call a focus target or I'll call the dive target. Um, and other times, you know, it'd be a DPS saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick this target or I'm going to blade here. Can you beat from? But yeah, but my, my, I guess the closest thing we have to a dedicated shot caller is more of a target caller. And that's kind of myself. My job as the off tank is to call a lot of our initial gauges um, and make sure everyone's shooting the same thing. Nice. I'm, I'm noticing a trend with the guys I talk to from the open division. A lot of the teams do the same thing. It's more of a communal aspect of picking the targets and making sure that that target's taken out, moving on to the next. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's, that's in every team. Every team has a, like a target caller and, and then the shot caller is a little different. Shot caller is more Every team needs a target caller. Um, some teams, a lot of teams, can get away with not having a shot caller if everyone's vocal on the team and everyone can make plays for themselves. Um, but a shot caller is really helpful in terms of like macro, um, and it helps you not. It, it helps keep teams on the same page. So if you see teams that are really structured, um, they do the same things. Either that's super practiced and you know they just have defaults like we do, or they have a shot caller that's you know micro more the, that micromanagey style makes all the macro movements for them. Oh yeah, and now. Speaking of the practice, um, how often do you guys scrim or practice during the season? Um, so we used to we used to scrim six hours a day with the day off a week, but now we've switched to uh, four hours a day with one day off, just because a few of our guys have kind of real life obligations that prevents them from scrimming six hours a day. Oh yeah, that's a big chunk of time. All right, now getting into the weekly topic, it's. How does it feel being the team take the first season of the Open Division? Um, yeah, I mean, winning always feels great. Um, and we also had the hardest schedule by far of any of the playoff teams. I believe we beat every single team. and the I mean, not every single team. All the T2 teams besides Bedtime Fugitives in the regular season. Um, so it was just about beating them again um, in the playoffs. Um, other than that, um, the lack of publicity and exposure is kind of troubling. Um, hopefully... You know, maybe we'll see the Overwatch uh, Twitter account tweet out kind of open winners of each region. I think that'd be really good for the scene and, you know, bolstering talent, fostering talent. And also, I'd like to see, you know, winning open to feed into a contender spot. But for now, I guess we'll have to be happy with our 50 Blizz Bucks. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, it was kind of going in, going into the season. Our, our goal is to win it all. I think anything other than that would be a letdown. And this was just more affirmation that we're still one of the top two teams, the top T2 teams in NA. Oh, definitely. Now, sp speaking of the teams that you beat, uh, was there one team that you wanted to face off against just to kind of show your dominance? So there's another team. So we weren't the only team to finish 7-0 in the regular season. So we definitely wanted to be the team to take out Bedtime Fugitives um, in the playoffs since we didn't get to play them in the regular season. As I said, we beat every other T2 team that was in the playoffs besides Bedtime Fugitives in the regular season anyway. And to be, f I, and I think we thought they had the weakest schedule of a 7-0 team. Like, I don't think they played a single Tier 2 team that we recognized the whole regular season. So we definitely wanted to be the ones to take them out. In terms of, just like a, on a side note, uh, I think five exclamation marks, uh, they deserve to be in the finals. So I probably would have, in ideal world, if we could choose who we got to play, I'd swap uh, five exclamation marks to the bracket bedtime fugitives got and put bedtime fugitives in our our set of the bracket uh for the playoffs oh yeah now we kind of went over this scrim practice did that change at all during the leading up to the playoffs or did you stay at the four hours a day you know six days a week 
Yeah, uh, we didn't change our scrim schedule at all. Um, we weren't really too worried about the teams uh, since we beat them all before. Um, so we didn't do any extra preparation. Just, you know, had our normal scrim schedule, play our game. Now, other than the Overwatch Twitter tweeting out the winners of each of the divisions in the regions, is there anything else that you could think of that would make the division better for the players? I have so many suggestions. Um, honestly, don't even know where to start. So I guess we'll start with the rule set um, for the division. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but since I've played in the division, I've had to read it like backwards and forwards about you know 50 different times to get my players signed up to figure out you know who's eligible, who's not eligible, what are the requirements um, for all these players and all that. So I'm pretty familiar with the current rule set. And so the first thing I did season one was lobby for region lock changes. Uh, because I don't, because eventually open division is supposed to feed into contenders. I'm not sure in what season they're going to implement that. Um, uh, but when it does, they should have the same, they should have the same rule set. Uh, and originally you were only allowed to play with NA teams. So I, we have a German on our team, Progi. Um, so he wouldn't have been able to play, but ESL kind of messed up in season one with the eligibility checks. So they kind of just said for season one, we're just going to let everyone play, um, no eligibility checks which helps a lot of teams that had, you know, foreign talent in the NAC or, you know, just the open division as a whole, um, which I don't think that rule should exist in the first place. Um, so it appeared again in season two, but I kind of got, con I contacted, uh, reached out to Blizzard, reached out to ESL, and then they ultimately decided that, you know, it made sense to change the region. So now there are no region locks, which is a good step forward for the amateur scene, um, just for the scene in general. I think for such a global game, it'd be a shame to only limit teams to pick from you know to, to region lock teams i think that's i think that's a, a poor that would have been a poor decision but beyond that i think there's just so many other rules that don't make sense to me for example the scheduling i don't think teams should be forced to play a three-hour window on sundays only that's super restrictive and it's a bo7 so and i think every other esports league or division has some sort of scheduling which allows teams to pick dates and times that work for both of them you know they always have a default time no problems with default time. You need a default time in case teams can't agree on, you know, an alternative time. But you should be allowed to play it, you know, within a week, um, as long as you play it by Sunday. I don't, I don't see what the problem is, especially since it's not even streamed. So it's not like there's a stream schedule that requires us to play, you know, certain teams to play on every Sunday. So that's kind of no, another quality of life change uh, that would be really nice. In addition, B1 tiebreakers. I don't agree with that rule. I think a map point should never be decided by winning one Koth point. Um, I think minimum, I think BO3 would suffice. I just don't think a BO1 Koth point to decide, you know, a map should ever be a thing because it's just RNG. Uh, if you get if you get a, a, a map you're good on, great. If you get a map you're you get a Koth map that you're bad on, you know, you're screwed. I mean, another issue I think is roster locks. Roster shouldn't be locked from the outset of a season, uh, especially in Overwatch. Um, teams make lineup changes all the time. And forcing teams to play eight weeks with, you know, a potentially old lineup or the same lineup, I don't think it's healthy because it encourages, I know there's a team, Virtue, they actually just stopped playing games because they didn't, you know, they no longer had that lineup anymore and they didn't want to play open, you know, with the lineup that they signed up. So they just stopped playing. And that was a shame because I, that's another team that definitely deserved to be in the playoffs um, and were playoff capable. They just, you know, they just had a roster change and, Open Division super inflexible with roster changes, so that prevented them playing with the roster they wanted to play with. 
It's funny that you bring up Virtue because I actually spoke with Heartless as my episode zero for the quick play. And uh-huh. he brought you guys up specifically as a team that he was watching. So for you to bring them up, it just shows the mutual respect that you guys have for each other there. And it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, so kind of, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with Virtue's kind of history, um, but they had a similar history where a former pro coach instead of a pro player, um, so Chance um, used to be the Mortals coach. He decided he was going to make a project team or two project teams rather. Um, so Vice and Virtue are both his kind of, uh, his, you know, his project teams. Uh, Vice is no longer a team, um, but we used to scrim Vice a lot. And then Virtue, not as much, but Virtue's been around just as long as, you know, as we have. Not the same roster. They've made roster changes as well, coaching changes, you know, all that. Uh, but they've been around for about as long as we have. And yeah, so yeah. I mean, I think all all the Tier 2 teams are familiar with each other. So, because we scrim each other a lot. And yeah, so we're all familiar with each other. But kind of back into the back into the, imp- the improvements that I have in mind. Um... Let's see what I go. What I just go with one of our roster locks. So yeah, I I just make it a mid-season roster lock like ESEA does. Uh, if anyone's if you're familiar with the CS:GO scene at all and how ESEA does their league, um, I think you need to have a roster lock. You know, you can't just at the end of the season, you know, you just upgrade your whole roster and say, hey, this is the roster we're gonna play playoffs with. Like, yeah, I don't think that makes sense. Um, but I do think you should be able to have some flexibility. Expecting teams to stick together for eight weeks it, it kind of sucks for teams that you know maybe they have play, players come and go and especially in the amateur scene so i definitely think uh definitely think roster lock should not be a thing um especially since contenders allows teams to make roster swaps you know week to week or lineup changes week to week cloud nine played with a roster week one played with a different lineup you know this week no yeah. problems there uh next would be signups um so there's like 170 you know 70 plus teams signed up for season one i think about only 75 teams are signed up for season two if i remember correctly uh last or 50 57 50, yep 57 yeah. Today. 57 yeah mix my numbers up 57 not 75 yeah and that's pretty terrible um and i don't think that's because the scene's dying i think there is not as much incentive for the this like the tier two scene and below to keep grinding, um, but I don't think that accounts for, you know, a hundred plus teams not signing up uh, in season two. I think it's just because they made they made the deadline for season two signups during like while season one was still going on. Um, so I wouldn't have even known that uh, the deadline for signing up for season two, you know, was was when it was. It was like last week or two weeks ago. It, we were, we still had a break. Yeah, we still had a regular season match to play, and they said, "Oh, you know, deadline for season two is approaching." Or I was like, "Okay, I better sign up." Uh, yeah, really. I, I saw in the the open division Discord there was a lot of teams that were unable to get signed up because they had matches and it was causing issues with certain yep. players being locked out of signing up for season two. So it looks like it that whole system was kind of a mess. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, ESL handled that. Their system is pretty bad in terms of the infrastructure for signing up, and yeah, it's just it was a it was a mess. Um, luckily for our team, we only had to make one roster change, um, so not a big deal um, for us. But for a lot of other teams, like 
you might you know you might decide like after this playoffs that you don't want to be a team anymore but then by then it's too late you already had you were you were there's some teams that made playoffs that decided you know we don't want to play with this current roster anymore we're going to break up and those players are now locked into you know that same roster because they had to sign up for season two so i'm not sure if five exclamation marks is disbanding but i know they're signed up for season two um and some of their players are lft or some of their former players were lft after playoffs so I, I don't know what's going on with their team exactly, but pretty pretty shitty situation for those for those players um, to get put in. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the deadline to be after the playoffs. I'll have some sort of off season instead of just jumping straight into season two. Um, season two, I believe, starts next week. Um, yep. Not not this not this weekend, but next weekend, I believe, we'll have our first matches. So I don't. I don't know why they're just going back to back to back. I don't know of any other league that does this. So they're usually like a two week grace period or something, you know, some sort of break. Um, and especially not, you know, sign up deadlines for the next season occurring like wh- while the current season is still going on. So yeah, I didn't, I don't really understand the reasoning behind that, but it's, I don't know. It seems very counterintuitive. Next thing I want to touch on is prizing. Um, <laughs> I don't think there, there's no other leagues available because kind of Blizzard's, you know, Blizzard's like, this is our system. Like, this is our league. Um, this is our, it's the start of our farm system. And, you know, that's that. There's no other leagues in NA um, that I know of. Um, if anyone, if you, if you know of any leagues, please let me know. I'd love to play in them. But as far as I know, this is the only thing, the, the only league besides, you know, tournaments, um, which aren't leagues. But there's some weekly tournaments, you know, some monthly stuff like that. But as far as I know, this is the only league. And we're playing seven-week seasons plus playoffs, so eight weeks total for 50 Blizzard bucks and no spot, no, you know, no no hope of being promoted into contenders, you know? Yeah. I, I don't even get to, we don't even get to play, you know, a contender's team for their spot. We just, you know, we got open, that's it. I, I would have no problem saying, you know, it'd be tough, um, you know, like a rele- relegation promotion system type thing instead of just getting straight promoted for winning open um but i I'd, I'd like to i like blizzard to at least give us a chance um rather than you know here's this division in its in its own little isolation chamber not connected to contenders yet and uh, blizzard has pretty much that system set up for heroes of the storm where the i i don't play the game but i know that the the, the farm tournament the, I think the top two teams get to play the bottom two teams of the professional league, and the winners of those matches move back into the professional league. So they should. They have the system in Heroes. They just need to implement it for the uh, Overwatch League system. Right. Yeah. I'm. Um, you know. Just. Just flat out. I like to see. A, a substantial increase in the prize pool and a promotion system, a working promotion system, uh, a clear path, you know, to get contenders. And then, you know, I know Al is a completely different animal um, since there's not going to be any relegation. Um, but I'd like to at least see clear path to contenders, um, you know, and then from there you get poached to an Owl team. You know, if that's the system they want, I don't particularly think that's the best system. Um, just not encouraging teams. Um, you know, the chance of you getting, like, once everything's figured out, all the Owl teams have rosters, you know, they have full teams already. So if you get a Contenders and you can't get promoted to Owl, um, you know, that's kind of sucks. Y- your team's going to break up. Anyone that 
they're going to get poached by all teams um, if they're good enough. Um, and that's kind of how it's going to go. Um, but, you know, even then, that'd be better than what we have now, which is kind of, you know, you went open, no announcements, no nothing. Just that's it. Um, congrats. Here's your 50 Blizzard bucks uh, for two months. Um, I'd also like to see streams. Um, I think every other region besides NA had some third party streaming their matches, at least the top teams, um, or what I assume were the top teams in that region. So I, I know Australia streamed. Uh, some there are some Australian streams, uh, you know, some Japanese streams, so on and so forth. I don't know if EU had any streams, um, but it was uh, it was quite sad to play every single one of our matches offline, um, even the final, um, yeah. which I thought was kind of wild that you'd have a finals of your open division match just played in a lobby, just ourselves, like no admins, no no spectators, no nothing. We just played it like it was another you know another another scrim really. Um, a lot of the stuff you're talking about is the reason why I started this podcast because there was there's zero coverage. Um, unless you're stalking the ESL website, you don't know what's going on. Um, I'm I'm actually thinking about talking to a couple uh, casters and seeing about maybe doing a featured game each week of the the regular season and seeing if we can do something for the playoffs for season two. Um, but I wasn't sure how ESL handled that. Now, hearing that other regions had third-party streams, I'm just going to say, screw it, and I'm going to go for it, because you guys you guys need the coverage. You deserve the coverage. And ESL should be backing you guys more than what they currently are. Yeah, um, and I think in the end, it's not ESL. Um, ESL's just the tournament organizers that Blizzard you know, kind of contracted out to. Um, because I know in EU, they, they work with Faceit, not ESL. Um, and ESL does kind of all the other regions, I believe. Um, but I know for a fact Faceit does the open division stuff for EU. Um, so I, I don't know if it's an ESL, an ESL thing. I'd say it's probably just Blizzard rules. But yeah, ESL are the tournament organizers, so yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Um, but ultimately, it all falls on Blizzard, right? They're the ones, this is their official, uh, league. Um, or you know division however they want to call it um so i think i think it all starts from i think it all starts from there um i'd like to see more social media exposure from blizzard about the open i don't think there's a single nothing on the launcher i mean launch is one thing but i'd like to at least see like you know the end result like hey our open division just finished congrats to you know all these you know these teams that you know won open like bare minimum right you know some something like we're an official blizzard tournament and I'd like to see some acknowledgement of, you know, of that aspect. I mean, um, Contenders but, has their own Twitch stream, so right. Open Division should have their own. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see, it also give chances for smaller casters, um, casters that haven't made it yet. I know, I, I don't know if you watch any of the AG Weeklies, but there's a lot of, you know, smaller casters like Game of Storm and Curix and, uh, you know, Ask Josh. There's quite a few that haven't, you know, that, that are available that would potentially be up to, you know, doing stuff for you know overwatch open division if that, that was a stream and they just did you know s several games a week or, or, or that day i think that'd be great uh, but just in general i just there just needs to be far more content generation around the t2 scene uh to kind of encourage talent development and retain the remaining talent you know before they move on to other games so uh moving on now for you guys what would you say you was your most commonly used comp and worked out best for you guys that's an interesting question. It's also an interesting time in terms of meta. 
Um, so dive meta was a thing for pretty much the entirety of our team um, up until the past month or so um, when Doomfist got introduced. And now that kind of unlocks uh, more options in terms of hero pool and hero selection. But I'd say by far our you know our standard has always been Tracer, Genji, Winston, Diva, Lucio, Zen. Uh, so classic two 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 dive comp. Um, that's what we ran pretty much the entirety of our of our team history. And then now uh, we've kind of been working on our tank comps during scrims because Doomfist is introduced and we can run a lot more different looks um, with Doomfist and kind of you know you're not just stuck with Diva and Winston. Um, Diva's also getting hit with a nerf bat. So it's an interesting time um, for comps uh, and, and the meta. Um, meta is definitely going to change drastically once this patch drops. So we'll see. But why we ran this the two 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 comp? It was just it's just good against most comps and it has all our players on their best hero. You know, Red Start's pro definitely the best tracer in T two and the tier two scene. Stratus is, definitely has the best Genji. Progy is a super good super good Winston. Tried out for Team Germany, uh, the World Cup team. Pona's, Pona's got on Lucio um, and Shu before that, and you know we had Zergling on Zen, uh, just really good Zen. So yeah, so it's 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 flexible against everything, and yeah, it's just it's just a standard good comp, um, cookie cutter comp that you can run pretty much every map, um, and it won't ever be that comp will never be the reason why you lose a fight. Um, you can always you always have the tools to turn a fight no matter what no matter what the other team running but yeah as i said since the doomfist patch um we haven't run this comp as much um since it's quite squishy against doomfist because he can insta give insta give four out of six of your team every four seconds yeah. so yeah now how does the team feel about the latest ptr changes and how's that gonna affect your comps in the future with the changes to diva and mercy and and everything like that in the ptr right now yeah, I had so many changes. Um, Roadhog got changed. Uh, Arisa got changed. Um, but we haven't had much time to scrim it. Um, so we really won't know until we all get to get on the server and, and scrim another team. Um, and even then, it's just figuring it out. And then whatever works the first day of a meta will not is not necessarily you know the answer. Um, as people get used to the new hero changes, um, you know they're basically new heroes. Some of them. Uh, Mercy's a completely new hero. You have a you have a res as an ability, a solo a solo res as an ability. Junkrat has two concussion bombs now. It's it's wild. And Diva got nerfed really hard as I said earlier. But I mean, I can just speak personally. I played the new Diva. It it honestly doesn't feel very strong. I don't. We'll see in a team environment. But just messing around with her on PTR, I don't really like the fact that she has rockets. But those rockets have a wind up time. It's not an instant cast. So people have like it's. It's not as good. I, I liked it as I would have liked it as an instant cast. But then again, if you're running Diva for damage, like Diva's, you never you've never run Diva for damage. You always run it for her matrix. Um, that's the and I think her matrix got cut by way too much time. Um, yeah, fifty percent is pretty rough. I th I think it's way too much. Now you can just high noon. You can aim bot. You can fair barrage without worrying about the matrix because even if they have full matrix. Um, the new full matrix, it's not enough to matrix all the damage. So you can just go ahead and pop that aimbot without getting D.Va out of mech. Um, same thing with Zarya. Zarya has always been... A shard of Zarya has always been, impos been impossible for a D.Va to deal with. And now, you know, you have even smaller frame of time to eat the eat the grav. You just... I don't know. It, it, D.Va feels like a wet noodle on PTR. Um, so I'll probably be playing a lot more Zarya. But that being said, that probably opens up 
open up the path for the tank meta to come back. So it was what, quad tank meta, then it was triple tank meta, then it was dive meta, and then for a while, and now could be back to dive, um, could, sorry, could be back to tank meta. Um, cause Roadhog got the, got a buff, D.Va got nerfed, so Roadhog's kind of counter in a way was nerfed. You can't matrix, you know, can't matrix as much. Um, and I mean, D.Va, D.Va really held back a lot of heroes. Um, so, cause she could eat, you know, so many different things. Uh, but now you reduce it in half, so the effectiveness is, you know, reduced by half. So I don't know how, I think Tank Meta comes back with a half effective D.Va. Just as simple as that. So yeah, I think we'll, I think we might see Rind Road. Zarya make a comeback, um, so Triple Tank might be coming back. And Junkrat is insane right now on PTR, so if they just patch it straight to live, uh, you'll be seeing a lot of Junkrat. Um, I don't know if we'll run it or how we'll run it, but we'll probably base it off of what the pros are running. Um, and I'm sure the pros... Time has already started running Junkrat, and Junkrat hasn't even been buffed yet, so... <laughs> when it gets buffed, we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how broken he really is. Oh yeah. Now, I'm just a gold pleb, but... The way Mercy, from what I've seen with her, she's set up for Death Ball. I mean, she pops Valk, and she can basically Arisa damage buff the whole group, switch off to heal the whole group. I'm thinking we might see a little bit of Death Ball come back into the meta, which would be fun to see. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I think the way they changed Mercy, they turned her into a viable flex support for... You know, instead of Zen, used to be Zen, Anna, you know, Anna, Anna if you have a lot of tanks, Zen, you know, if you're running dive. Um, now they added Mercy, and I think, you know, that's a viable option. You don't have to be running Pharah, because um, it used to be teams only ran Mercy when they ran a Pharah. Pharmacy was the combo, and, you know, now that they made those changes, um, and you have Temple Reses, so kind of off, it offsets her, her heals, because um, she, she was always, she had the least heals of, you know, compared to, Zen has this to Discord, um, so and Anna just completely out heals Mercy, and Zen also has a transcendence. Um, so her her kind of her weakness in you know straight healing, keeping keeping uh keeping teams topped off, keeping teams healthy is offset now that she can temple res. So someone dies, no problem. You just res them immediately, and they're back with full HP. Um, and then you you know as he said, Valkyrie, you know gives you can res two people in you know two seconds. So if you if you res someone before you pop your ult, and then you have a second person, you pop your ult, it resets your res cooldown. You res them again. You, um, you res the next person. So that's you can get a two you can get a two man res off um, with Valkyrie if you combo it correctly. And as I said, damage boost plus you know plus heals on everyone. Um, so I think that's I don't know I, I don't know I don't know how good Mercy will be until I scrim with her or pug. So I'll probably be doing some pro pugs later on tonight and kind of get them kind of get a better feel and. You know, a competitive setting. Uh, you know, what the changes mean for the meta. Oh yeah. Now you kind of covered my next question a little while ago. As the team leader, you did say you were playing, so you obviously got the fifty Blizzard bucks. Mm-hmm. So now the big question is loot boxes or Destiny Two. So unfortunately, it's not much of a choice. Uh, it's gonna be loot boxes since we're not gonna be getting these Blizzard bucks for at least two months. Um, so Destiny 2 will already be out by then, right? Yep. Yeah, so <laughs> unless I'm waiting two months to buy Destiny with my Blizz Blizzard yeah. Bucks, it's it's going to be loot boxes. So they did finally say that it's going to be two months before you guys get your payouts? Uh, minimum, uh, which is kind of ridiculous to me, but whatever. It is what it is. I can't do anything about it. 
but it just seems real strange that we're going to be getting our money after season you know we're going to finish another season of open and still not get paid out with our blizzard balance it's not even yeah. not even it's not even actual cash prizes so i don't know weird but i i can't do anything about it now these are my cheesy questions if you could join any overwatch org who would you join and if you don't want to go that way just who's your favorite org sure um so nrg would have been the shoe in um if they got the dc owl spot uh, if you remember but they made you know they made some announcements uh, earlier in the year where they're like oh we you know we partnered with dc um since that's my hometown and you know we're gonna be building an arena and i was like oh wow like maybe they get an owl spot here that'd be wild that'd be crazy that'd be the dream uh, but they got san francisco instead so it's not nrg anymore but if you ask me you know a few months ago before they got their spot confirmed it would have been nrg for sure um but now knowing you know the existing teams in the scene that, or the existing teams that have declared um that have owl spots it it have to be immortals since they're an endemic org uh, with a large existing fan base and they have the la owl spot which is somewhere i've always wanted to live and that's going to be a huge huge spot for the owl teams yeah i mean they're they're splitting it with uh the rams or the owner of the rams rather so i don't know how that'll work out but i don't think the rams have any esports fans right now um so they have to they have to figure out they have to create a fan base, whereas Immortals, they've already got one. They've been around the block. And uh, next would be, who would you say is your favorite Tier 1 Overwatch pro? It'd have to be Mickey. Um, not just because he plays my position, but just, you know, his personality. Uh, it's I'd love, I would love to have, you know, I think that's super important, the glue guy. Um, I think it's super cliche to say, you know, uh, he's the glue, you know, but Mickey's Mickey's definitely one of the top divas, top ten divas in the world, and he just always like I don't know when you're playing with a with a player like Taimu, and I think Taimu gets emotional um, where he tilts, um, and you always need you you can't you can't not be happy when you have Mickey on your team. You know the, just the energy he brings, positive atmosphere that just his presence has, and I think that's super important, especially in Overwatch, um, because you need to keep your heads clear. There's so much stuff going on. If you're tilted, you're not thinking as clearly as when, when you're feeling in a good mood, um, you know, when everything's clicking. I think Mickey, Mickey helps out so much in that regard, um, besides, you know, being a top player at his position. So yeah, definitely, definitely Mickey. Cool. Now, that's going to wrap up pretty much all the questions for us tonight. Did you have any plugs or any shout-outs that you wanted to throw into the show? Sure. So big shout out to my teammates. Uh, Got to start with them first. So Red, Stratus, Pwn, Progi, Zerg, Bike Age, um, and also Shu, who played a huge role in getting us to where we are now before having to step down for school. But he's back as manager, so not gone forever. Um, he still he still works with us. Also, like to thank John and Kat um, for being great support staff. And lastly, for team shout outs, uh, a shout out for Callie, who's our manager when we were Team of Snow, um, and a little bit when we were Prestige Worldwide. Definitely the best manager I've ever had um, in this game, and I've been on quite a few teams, and definitely hope to see her back in the scene one day. Two more quick shout outs. So we have quite a number of followers um, on our Twitter page for a Tier 2 team. Before I took over kind of the Twitter page from Cali, I, I was like, wow, we, we have <laughs> we have 200 plus followers. I didn't think, you know, there'd be this many eyeballs, you know, that cared about what, you know, our updates and what we had to say. Um, but yeah, definitely a shout out to our followers um, and our fans and anyone that supports us, you know. We'll continue to keep grinding, um, see what the future holds. And then finally, shout out to Envision. Um, those boys are doing huge things. Um, and that's exactly, you know, I have a lot of friends on that team, friends with most of them. And 
that's kind of what we aspire, aspire to be, um, just to be the next vision um, and hope we can achieve that in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I know there was a lot of people in the podcast world that thought that Envision shouldn't have necessarily been able to buy the spot. There should have been like a playoff between them and LG Evil. But then they go in and they dumpster rogue. So I think they, they deserve that spot. So, I mean, not many people know, but LG Evil is having... Issues. They were having, yeah, internal issues. Um, they weren't scrimming. Like, they weren't actually, you know, competing as a team for the most part, as far as I know. Whereas Envision has been grinding longer than we have. Like they they were they were us before, you know, we became, you know, you know, top of T two. They were, you know, no one no one ever gave them time of day, no one gave them scrims, um, nothing. Uh, then they qualify they finally qualify for contenders, um, and then I mean, excuse me. Yeah, they qualify for contenders season zero, you know, and then they don't have the best showing, but then they made some roster changes and now they're you know, they're Clearly, they're one of the strongest teams in the entire contenders right now. So I don't think I don't think there's any problem with them buying. Like LG Evil has more resources than Envision has. They're a bigger org. They're Luminosity. They had they have more money. So if it was a straight up bid war, LG Evil would have won that. So I don't see what you could be mad at Envision for. LG Evil could have straight up just gotten the spot. They just had to pay Liquid more. So I don't I don't see an issue. Envision also my boys, so I'm a little biased. But yeah, they're great group of guys actually played on a team with McGravy back in the day so it's it's awesome seeing uh seeing him make it big or hope to make him big or it would my my greatest fear is that they're not going to get signed as a team to an org or you know not like that whole team deserves to be you know if not together they all deserve a spot in the owl like no doubt about it um after their performance um and I think that would be it'd be a big failure for the system to let them fall through the cracks after they've performed like the way they have Oh, definitely. Now, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, I appreciate this interview. This was a fantastic interview. I love talking with you. Um, congratulations again on being the first team to take the Open Division. And thank you, thank you. really looking forward to seeing what you guys do in Season 2. Yeah, um, it should be more competitive. Um, Toronto Esports is in uh, this season. Uh, a team called Six Arenas is in. That we've scrimmed the past, but that has Keller, Rena, a, a bunch of a bunch of uh, Spirit, a bunch of ex tier one uh, or former tier one. I want I want I don't want to say ex tier one because um, I think some they're still tier one. Um, so former tier one contracted players on there. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be more competitive for sure, just with those two teams. And I think Virtue signed up again, or maybe they haven't. I don't they know. Did. Yeah, I, I hope Virtue signed up. Uh, the current roster be be sad if they didn't. Um, but yeah, those three should easily make it super competitive. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anyone, but I think those are the teams that I know of that are that are good. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's those three um, that I'm looking forward to play or uh, to playing against uh, perhaps in season two if we all make playoffs and it'll be a banger. Uh, that'd be fun to watch. All right, thank you again, sir, and you all have right. yourself a good night. You too. Thanks for having me. Before we end the show, I have a special shout out this week to Chris Dinley for making the fantastic new logo for the Open Division Quick Play. You can find her at chrisdinley.tumblr.com. I'll have a link to her Tumblr in the show notes. If you are on a team, manage a team, or own a team in the Open Division, I would love to talk to you or a member of your team to help promote not only you and your team, but the division as a whole. 
If you have any questions, suggestions, or want to chime in on a topic, feel free to contact me on the following platforms. You can find me at ThornRain on Twitter, ThornRain number 6097 on Discord, twitch.tv slash ThornRain, music by Nehemiah Haynes III, and remember, pro started somewhere, make today your somewhere.